welcome to March edition of the BBRO Beatcast. I'm Francesca Broom, your host and Knowledge Exchange Manager for BBRO. February's been a very busy month for all at BBRO following the BeatTech events. If you are unable to attend, you can catch up on the content via our website, bbro.co.uk forward slash events. Now, from one busy month to another, let's discuss the current hot topic, which is the authorization for the use of Cruiser SB. As of the 1st of March, we did receive the news of the authorization of the use of a neonicotinoid treated seed pellet for the industry. Quite disappointed, I think, for all of us for that, that we need it this year. Obviously, the forecast is very high, but quite relieved that the industry has a result and has something that's going to bring it some relief in future. So, Mark, I'm very pleased to say that I'm joined by both yourself and Simon Bowen this morning to discuss further. You were involved in the application. Could you please just tell us a little bit more about the authorisation, what's been received and what this means for sugar beet growers in this season? Uh, Good morning, Chairs. Good morning, everybody. Yes, uh, as of the 1st of March, uh, we did gain the information from uh, Rothamsted with regard to the virus yellows forecast. As many of you are aware, we really have not had a winter in 2021-2022. And as a consequence of that, uh, the mean temperature that's critical towards the forecast is just short of six degrees. Now, to put that in context, that's about a degree and a half warmer than the long-term average. And as a result of that information, and as a result of the calculations that the Rothamsted scientists have made for the virus yellows forecast, it is indicating that the level of virus at the end of August at a national level is 68.9%. Now, that is high, uh, and it does mean that the UK crop is under threat from virus-carrying aphids uh, and virus infection and subsequent yield loss, although it's not quite as high as the 2020 season when the temperature was around about six and a half degrees and the forecast nationally was around about 85%. And we need to remember these figures are in the absence of any control strategy. And so the use of Cruiser in the short term gives growers an opportunity where they're using it to limit the impact of virus because clearly in 2020, Uh, The strategies that were available and deployed still led to 38% of the crop going yellow. And for many, they had uh, their crops going totally yellow and the consequence that had to the industry. And Mark, last year in 2021, we also had the option of emergency use, but the threshold wasn't triggered. So what was the temperature rates then? Thank you, Chairs. That's also very important to emphasise. So uh, in 2021, we were given the option to do that and it was in place with the trigger point as part of the uh, application process. Now, in uh, January and February, 12 months ago, we had five cold weather events, uh, but particularly what was significant uh, was the very cold start to February. 
uh, and the mean temperature for uh, January and February was 3.8 degrees. And so we did not breach the economic threshold of 9%, which would have allowed us to use Cruiser 12 months ago. It's a very different scenario to where we were. Uh, and you can see the consequence of temperature on, on the forecast. It's a very valuable tool. It's a model that we've been using since the early 1960s to identify the risks to each year's crop. But as I've already emphasised, it's without any mitigation. Clearly, uh, it gives you the worst case scenario without any control. Hence why once we start to introduce mitigation, whether that's use of control strategies that rely on protection of the seed or foliar application of aphicides or other tactical agronomy to limit the buildup of aphids is important. Uh, but the risk is high and we anticipate aphids this year to start flying into the crop from around about the 19th of April, hopefully by which time the crop is at the 2-4 leaf stage plus, although it will be very dependent on what happens weather-wise and drilling. We are slightly concerned that the three named storms that we had recently and very wet conditions may delay drilling. Uh, and as a consequence of that, if there's any delay into drilling, it means that plants will be smaller when aphids migrate into the crop and put them at greater risk from virus. Again, that's something we're going to have to keep a very close eye on as we go uh, forward. Uh, but hopefully the situation is better than 2020 because the aphids in that year were migrating from the end of March when some crops hadn't even emerged or an incredibly small growth stage. And for how many weeks will the treatment give protection? The derogation conditions that have been approved by DEFRA are for a lower rate that was used commercially previously. So we're using 45 grams of active ingredient rather than 60. And we do have the additional restriction of a maximum seed rate of 115,000 treated seeds per hectare. So uh, we anticipate and we have done previous work, and this is going back through the uh, right through to the 1990s, that uh, this seed rate should give up to 10 weeks protection against aphids and virus transmission. You've got to remember, regardless of what is applied or used to limit the buildup of virus, it's an indirect problem. And an aphid needs to feed on a crop to infect with virus. What the seed treatment does is stops subsequent progeny being produced and secondary spread, which is ultimately the reason for higher levels of virus. We know that the seed treatments will give up to 10 weeks protection. So what BBRO are advising at this stage is to start monitoring your crops from about eight weeks post sowing to monitor any aphid activity, but particularly green wingless aphid activity because hopefully the seed treatments give the protection we need to ensures that uh, it limits the buildup and spread of virus but if aphids then go above the uh, aphicide spray threshold of, of one green wingless aphid per four plants up until the 12 leaf stage or one green wingless aphid per, per plant up until the 16 leaf stage then there is the option also but only if these thresholds are breached for the application of uh, foliar aphicides. For cruiser treated crops there are two options there's flunicamid 
active ingredient either Topiki or Afinto this year, but only one application regardless of product choice. Or there is the option as the second spray of acetamiprid or Insist. And we are aware that many growers have decided not to use a Cruiser. Uh, in, in 2022. We encourage them to monitor very closely their crops. They will have the same uh, aethicide treatments. They can use them in whatever order they uh, feel they want to use them, unlike the situation with Cruiser. And we are looking into options for an additional spray if the situation becomes particularly severe. And as I said, with the temperatures as where they are and the experiences of what we saw in 2020, 2022 could be uh, a season where we see uh, large numbers of aphids. So we need to make sure we give people the tools that they need to protect the crop. And I have heard a number of growers questioning the seed rate um, and asking if they can actually mix seed. What's your thoughts on that? Clearly, some growers tend to sow above the 1.15 units per hectare. If that is your decision, then it is permissible to increase seed rate. BBRO are really advising against uh, mixing. It is possible if you want to do that, you could do that or you could uh, put untreated seed in one of the cultures. But there is the risk, and we know from previous work, where you do mix, it can actually increase the actual level of virus in the crop because an aphid has a choice to land on a treated plant or an untreated plant. If it lands on a treated plant, it will feed. If it's carrying virus, pass that on, but die. But if it lands on an untreated plant by chance, it will feed, pass on the virus if it's carrying it, but then produce progeny and then you get secondary spread uh, and that can lead to build up of the virus. So it is possible, it it is worth reflecting on that uh, and what we would say is if you're going to use untreated seed in the field, it's better to block it if that's where you are going to do that. But please remember the conditions and the restrictions with regard to loading per hectare. We're obviously going to be continuing with the APID survey this year, and there'll be lots of information on the website for people to actually um, go in and actually monitor the situation. But Simon, what are your thoughts as the lead for KE for BBRO? What will you be introducing as um, information and support for growers? Well, Thanks, Chairs. I mean, it is the year when you need to really stay close to BBRO and tap into all our various communication channels. We've got lots of information available. Many growers will receive the advisory bulletin and they sh- one should have landed with growers today. Continue to look at that as your primary source of information. That will be very topical, uh, you know, and as the season unfolds and weather patterns change, we can be reactive and give the very latest advice and guidance there. Don't forget there's a, there's a new BBRO reference book which was produced for 2022 that has some really good information about the various tools and tactics Mark alluded to in controlling virus. Additional measures we can take Take either in conjunction with the use of cruiser seed or where cruiser hasn't been used. Particularly uh, get on the website where we do report the uh, aphid mapping. It's a really important tool. We would encourage you to be looking at that twice a week because that is your pointer to when you need to go start looking at your individual crops. Just bear in mind, it's a, it's a guide for you to know when aphids are beginning to appear in crops and for you to go and check your own individual crops for aphids. I think one of the other areas we will be helping you with is aphid identification. Clearly, thresholds are all, all resolve around uh, use of 
green wingless aphids uh, and we will be producing some literature which help you with that we've already issued to grow as our little kind of credit card magnifying glasses but we will be putting out some information probably including some videos as well to how get how to get in the field get down in the crops and know where to look for aphids and mark and i will be out on farm as well working with groups of growers agronomists as well to help their training because it's really important we can count accurately aphids in crops yeah growers can't just sit back on the laurels and think that we've managed to avoid any incidents they've got to keep checking the crop through the rest of the season if we are um, under high pressure yeah, I mean, if you have a look in our, our most recent bullet, we outlined a number of other strategies which can help uh, with reducing the aphids and, of course, ensuring crops are as healthy as possible so they get the right level of nutrition, they get planted into good seed beds, so we get good plant populations. are all very important strategies to work alongside uh, other mitigations. It's very much an integrated control strategy is one, one we have to deploy. And we just need to really emphasise the fact that anything you can do on farm at this stage is critical. So on farm hygiene and removing any sources of virus, whether that's spoilage heaps or beet remnant on farm, you know, remove because potentially they be- could become uh, sources of infection for migrating aphids to come through and then bring into your emerging sugar beet crop. And an aphid that's not carrying virus is actually no threat to the crop. So we do use diagnostics and look at the infectivity to understand and monitor to that uh, from previous work it's very stable at around about one percent but uh, if that increases then potentially that becomes uh, more of a risk to the crop so we will continue to do more of that in 2022. Jez Mark makes a really good point there because it has been a relatively warmer year there will be more aphids which are commonly seen in other crops but we must be able to identify the ones of Shakitwa and importantly not respond to winged aphids it's wingless aphids which are the key to how we have to manage our crops going forward. And as I started we are disappointed to have to use the uh, treated seed this year so Mark how close are we to finding alternatives? So clearly the the cruiser derogation triggering this year is to provide as a short-term solution but ultimately to solve virus yellows we need a much bigger integrated pest stroke virus management strategy and i can assure all uh, those are listening to the podcast uh, bbro have prioritized this and have continued to prioritize this because we see virus yellows as one of the biggest threats to the uk crop bbro is leading probably the biggest trial series anywhere in Europe working with the breeding community so all European sugar beet breeders who sell seed into the UK we're working very closely with them to try and identify tolerant and resistant varieties it's particularly exciting that the first uh, beet mild yellowing virus partially tolerant variety is on the recommended list but the problem with virus yellows is it's three viruses and it's, there's no one single major resistance gene that we can interbreed into these varieties to solve it. It is a very difficult breeding target, but we are making progress and we will be about to start inoculating probably over 100,000 plants with virus carrying aphids that are being generated in the BBRO facilities as we speak. But we are looking at much, much more than that. So we are looking at camouflage strategies, the use of undersown barley, 
to deflect aphids away from crops because if you remove the contrast between the green plant and the brown soil, then aphids are less attracted to the crop. We're looking at a range of different aphicides and biocides as well as a whole host of work going on there. The work that we're doing about mature plant resistance, where we know that sugar beet, as it ages, is able to look after itself and actually become less appealing and attractive to aphids, although that's more of a longer term strategy. But also some of the work we're doing with endophytes, using push-pull strategies to deflect aphids away from fields. So there's lots going on, much, much more that hopefully we'll be able to demonstrate and continue to flag as we go through the season. And I think in addition, Mark, to a lot of the BBRO trial work, we're also really trying to understand how we can harness nature to help as well. So encouraging the beneficials on farm, which is often not a crop specific activity, but in making sure we are increasing natural predator numbers on farms. It's very challenging to get the synchrony right between natural predators and aphids arriving in the crop. But we are looking at that and working with various companies who can actually breed natural predators to see how we can release them into crop or the growth use of field margins or even strip through the crop to encourage natural predators. It's very important that is a part of our our integrated approach strategy as well. And that beneficial work has actually been ongoing for the last sort of three, four years, isn't it? Uh, yes, it, it's a, it's an interesting one, Ches, because clearly the use of beneficials uh, is well known and is used and and deployed commercially in, in horticulture. Often it's very difficult in an arable setting to keep the likes of things like lacewings or any other uh, beneficial in the field. But we're working with all sorts of uh, pioneer growers and companies to try and, and take this forward. And to do it, you need to do it in a season where you've got lots of aphids in in the fields. It's not something you can introduce aphids because you make an artificial uh, situation. I am particularly excited about some of the findings we're seeing, some of the things we can't talk about, but ultimately in the longer term will become uh, commercially viable, hopefully, that can be deployed to stop this problem. So it's great to see that although we've got a bit of pressure now, there are some exciting things to come. Thank you both very much for your time. Um, Obviously, for growers, if you want any more information, this is all available on our website. Probably best to look at publications and the advisory bulletin. And we will do our best to keep you updated on a regular basis um, throughout the season. So thank you both for attending. Thank you, Cheers.